0: Our scripture passage for today is from the New Testament book of James. The second chapter, verses 12 through, um, excuse me, 14 through 26. James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister was without clothes and daily food. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. I'm excited to be able to introduce our guest speaker for this morning, R.J. Bacani. Uh, is the executive director of Covenant Cedars Bible Camp, It's a part of our our conference up in Nebraska. Uh, We have a long and wonderful relationship with Covenant Cedars. Uh, Many of the people here today, I'm sure, have gone there or sent their kids or grandkids there. Um, It's a wonderful ministry. It's impacted many, many people with the truth and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. RJ has been the executive director since May. So he's new in this role, but he's not new to Covenant Cedars. He's been there for seven years on staff. Uh, He's here with his wife, Ashley, today, and I'm going to ask him to come now and share the word. Let's welcome him, shall we?
1: Uh, man, I am excited uh, to be with you guys and to spend some time diving into scripture together. Uh, Roy Applequist told me that I had some big shoes to fill. He said that a few weeks ago, uh, John Weinrich, the president of the covenant, was here. Uh, a real big name to preach with you, and now you have... Me, uh, this punk kid from Nebraska. Um, But for those of you that that don't know me, my name is RJ Bacani and I am the executive director at Covenant Cedars Bible Camp, Uh, woo! which means that I have the incredible privilege of serving kids and families from right here in this church. Uh, Just a quick raise of hands. Who's ever been at the Cedars, whether you're a camper, counselor, staff member? Awesome. Sweet. Uh, So some of us have been there. Uh, Some of us, our lives were dramatically changed at camp, uh, including mine. I, I gave my life to Christ at camp. I was a camper there. I was a, a, a counselor. I was a summer staff member. Uh, I used to be a youth pastor out of Omaha that brought students to camp. Uh, heck, I, I even got engaged to my wife there. Uh, spoiler alert, she said yes. Uh, camp has just been a special place for a lot of people. And, and over the last few months of me being in this position, people are, are really excited to ask, you know, what is, what is your vision for camp? What do you want camp to be like in the next five years or in the next 10 years? Uh, A few months ago, somebody from First Cup Omaha, they asked me, what is your vision for the next 40 years? And that kind of freaked me out. Um, But maybe we'll get there. Who knows? Uh, But really, the the vision that we have for camp is simple. We we just want camp to be a place where lives are changed and transformed by Christ. That's that's it. Uh, You know, some of us or our campers the reality. And some of us here have worked there. Uh, we realize that, 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 that time frame for us is, is really quick. At most we have like a week with these kids. So we don't always get to see that transformation take place because eventually those kids go back home and thank goodness. Cause some of uh, these Solana kids are crazy. I've seen it. Um, they go back to their, their families, back to their friends, Back to school, that part kind of stinks. Uh, back to real life. But it's in those spaces, those rhythms and routines of life, where, where our faith becomes real. Where faith becomes something more than just what happened that, that one time at camp. Now, if I'm being honest, some of our campers, they struggle. They struggle to have that kind of faith. They think that they know Jesus because of some warm, fuzzy feeling that happened at that cry night at camp. But then but then they go home. They go home living completely unchanged. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that can be a problem for some of us, too. Right. We we think we claim to know Jesus on Sunday morning. But then we go home we spend the rest of our week apart from him we're not we're not living like God has called us we're not living like like someone who's completely surrendered their life to him if i can get that that first slide up here real quick uh, faith though is not just a component of our life we don't just engage with it in the summertime for like one week or even once a week on sunday morning faith faith fuels our life If you're taking notes down there, you're going to see this slide like 10 more times. I promise you this is something to remember. Uh, Faith, it it transforms how we how we talk to our our, our spouse, how we treat our our family or our kids, how we parent, uh, how we talk to or about people, how we uh, how we handle our money, how we go to uh, how we go to work or school, uh, how we interact on social media, how we engage and face any circumstance in life. So if this is true, if faith really does fuel our life, how can we know, without a doubt, that we have this living, saving faith? How can we know that what we do at at Cedars, at at camp, or or even right here in First Cove, that we're teaching, raising people up, sending them out into the world uh, that, that have this kind of faith? We just read an incredible passage in James that that challenges us to move beyond simply having faith to having faith that that changes and, and grows and, and is put into action and In fact, the first thing that we can we can learn this morning from James is that real faith is put into action again if you 're taking notes, this is kind of like the first key point. Write this down. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, let's open up to James chapter two, starting in verse 14. Otherwise I got you on the screen behind me. All right. Uh, this is how he, he begins. He says, what good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone says that he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food and one of you says them go in peace, be warm, be filled Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So let's let's stop here real quick just to be clear on what James is saying and what he is not. James is not saying that our, our good works or our good actions are a requirement to being saved. If anyone in this room here this morning knows Jesus, if we're, if we're following Christ, then our story is that we have been saved by the grace, the power, the mercy, the love, the blood of Christ alone. And that is it. That's a perfect time for us to say amen. amen. All right. Now, he is not saying that we are saved by our works. But James is saying that it's simply a result of us being saved does that make sense a little difference there in other words it's not what gets us into a relationship with god it's just what happens when we have a relationship with him in ephesians paul says it this way he says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast boom He clears it up there, but then he goes on. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can I get that next slide, please? Again, real faith is not just a component of our life. Real faith fuels it. Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, but then it leads to life change because faith that that saves is never actually alone, is it? It it, it changes and impacts how we live. And in turn, it it changes and impacts uh, the lives of those around us. Uh, Now, there is a marriage between faith and works that, that can't be separated. If we don't have a faith that is changing and growing, if we don't have a faith that is being put into action, uh, then James would say that our faith is meaningless. Then we're living with this this worthless faith. Our our faith should, needs to, uh, be moving beyond what happens one week at camp, move beyond what happens one Sunday morning in the week. Our faith should change and lead uh, the way that we date people, The way that we engage in our marriage, the the way that we parent, the way that we handle our money, the way that we talk to people. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't absolutely transform us, then we should be concerned. There might be some of us, if we're if we're honest with ourselves and we think back on our life. Maybe there is a time in our life where we actually felt closer to God than we do right now as we come in. Maybe when we think about it, uh, we were more passionate about Jesus, more passionate about the gospel. uh, That time we went to camp or or, uh, that time we went to that that men's conference, that women's conference, that that time we went to uh, that missions trip. But then we came home and our faith has cooled off. Or maybe there are some of us coming in this morning, we don't even recognize, we don't even realize our deep, desperate need for Jesus. We think that because we've gone to camp or we've gone to church, that we're good. We kind of view our, our faith as an automation. We can like set it and forget it, put it on the shelf. When I was a, a youth pastor in Omaha, uh, I, I would, whenever I got to like an important part, or like a meaty part so that I needed the kids to listen to, I'd always say, eyes on me. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to try that out with us. All right. Eyes on me. Very good. The difference between someone who goes to camp or goes to church and the true follower of Jesus, that gap is enormous. In fact, there is a chasm of difference between the two of those things. And right in the middle of that gap, we find obedience. To Christ does our faith transform and impact how we live we have a couple of summer staffers this is what we do at camp impact lives teach people to be obedient to Christ and, and, and church is what we do here in Salina not just here in the physical space but in the, in the, in the entire city of Salina is, is what we do uh, impacting lives and teaching people to be obedient to christ our our faith needs to move beyond simply uh, existing in our words It, it should it should fuel every area of who we are now sometimes we can hear that and we think okay well then our faith is all about us doing stuff and then we lose track yet again Because in our faith, it gets reduced uh, to more about us doing and less about us trusting and believing in the goodness and mercy of Christ. In fact, uh, our faith isn't just something that we put into action. Faith is this authentic belief. Point number two, if you're taking notes. uh, Faith is this conscious dependence on him. Uh, James, he continues on. In the chapter by saying this in in verse 18, he says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Now show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Now we're going to take this turn here. Real slow because James is kind of coming in here real hot and fast. Uh, he, he already tells us that faith and works are interrelated; they they can't be separated. Our faith should fuel who we are through our action. But James also tells us that there is a belief about God that does not save. I'm going to say that again because it's important, and some of us may not have been listening. There is a belief about god that does not save we might think yeah there's a god out there somewhere he's floating in the skies but he's not really for me so we spend our our, our life apart from him so if even the demons believe and shudder what does that mean for us again faith isn't just a component of our life. Real faith fuels it. We need to move beyond simply knowing about God to having a personal, intimate, saving relationship with him. Now, James, he brings up these demons, which is kind of a, a total left turn there, a complete 180. He brings up demons because he knows what they are. Demons, they believe in God. They know Who he is, they know what he can do. In truth, they probably have a better theology than a lot of us do. And all throughout the Gospels, we can read about these interactions that that Jesus has with these demon-possessed people Uh, in Mark. We can read about one of these uh, interactions in Mark 1, 23-26. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus. sternly. come out of him. The inferior spirit shook the man violently, and he came out of him with a shriek. These demons, they they know exactly who Jesus is. In fact, James says that, that they believe and shudder. James also tells us that that a belief about God, knowing about God, is a lot different than knowing who he is. Our, Our faith should change how we live, how we think, how we talk, how we give, what we turn to when life gets out of control. Because knowing about God is a lot different than really knowing who he is. There might be some of us this morning coming in. We know a lot about God up here, but we've never actually met him. Maybe we've we've read our Bible from cover to cover. Maybe we sit in the exact same seat every Sunday. Maybe we've gone to camp every, uh, every summer of our lives, but we've never actually had a relationship with him. Or, or maybe there are some of us this morning that that's the last thing that we want. Maybe we're, we're crawling our way in to church this morning. We're broken, beaten down. There's nothing left in the tank. We're, we're empty. We're exhausted. Yeah, God exists out there somewhere, but what we really believe in is in ourselves. We've been trying to make it on our own for so long that we're alone and exhausted wondering how we got here in the first place. But we can change that. In fact, God wants us to change that. He made that possible. All that means, all that requires, all that involves is us trusting and believing in the goodness and mercy of God. In fact, the best way for us to put faith into action the best way that we can demonstrate this authentic belief this conscious dependence is through complete surrender this is our final point I promise and I'll wrap it up and get you guys out but we we, we, we have this complete surrender to ourselves surrender to our desires surrender to the one who surrendered everything for us going to tell us something that we don't always love to hear but our our faith costs us something and it has cost us something james he ends his chapter by giving us these two illustrations from the old testament he picks it back up in verse 20 you foolish person do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You can only be called somebody's friend if you spend time with them. If you know them personally, Intimately. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. Now let's back up a little bit. Uh, First, God, he comes to Abraham and he promises him that he will be the father of many nations. In fact, his descendants will be as many as there are stars in the skies. But then what happens? He ends up waiting like a hundred years for his son Isaac to be born. Now Talk about spoiled. That kid must have been spoiled rotten. This kid, uh, Abraham loved this kid. He adored this kid. He spoiled him. He'd been waiting for this kid. And, and God, he, he fulfills his promise to Abraham through Isaac. But then God does the unexpected, right? He, he asks Abraham to sacrifice his son for him. I'm no parent, but that is absurd, right? That is crazy. This kid that he loves, this kid that he's been waiting for to surrender his most prized possession. To give up everything God promised him this child. Abraham had been waiting faithfully for this child. This would be crazy for any sane, normal, rational person out there. And yet, Abraham trusts, Abraham believes, Abraham is willing to surrender. And as he's raising his knife to sacrifice his own child... The Lord stops him and he, he provides a ram in his place. Abraham surrenders even when it was uncomfortable, even when it would hurt, even when it would cost him. Then we have Rahab, uh, the prostitute, not exactly the dream job. Uh, she's living in Jericho again, not exactly the dream city uh, to live in. And God, he, he promises the nation of Israel that he will deliver Jericho into their hands. So Joshua, he sends these two spies out into the city. And if we've ever seen Veggie Tales, we kind of know the story just a little bit. Uh, he sends these two spies out into the city. And when the king of Jericho finds out, he loses his mind. He threatens to, to find these people and to kill them. So Rahab, she hides these spies in her house. She sends the the guards off in a different direction. She risks everything. She surrenders everything, even what it might cost her her own life. She's heard. All about this God. She trusts. She believes. And more importantly, she trusts and believes that God will do as He says. So she surrenders even when it would cost her even when it was uncomfortable even when it would hurt james he ends his chapter by giving us these two uh, these two examples because both abraham and rahab they demonstrate what it means to have this authentic faith is that it it, it will fuel it will surrender everything even when it might cost us again this is the last time you have to see this slide, I promise. Uh, faith, not just a component, not just a part of who we are, it, it fuels us. It surrenders even when it's uncomfortable, even when it might hurt, even when it will cost us. If we haven't learned by now in our faith journey, our faith is going to cost us. It might cost us in our uh, relationships. It might cost us in our families, it might cost us in our jobs or at school, it might cost us in reputation, it might cost us in anything. It might not make sense for us to think that way, to live that way, to give that way, to talk that way, unless God is real. Then it makes all of the sense in the world. That that question that I asked at the very, very beginning is, how how can we know that we have this living, saving faith, this faith that, that fuels and transforms our life, is if we have a faith that is willing to surrender everything, even when it might cost us, even when it hurts. Abraham and Rahab, they have this kind of faith, even when it might cost them their son, even when it might cost them their own life. It surrenders. There might be some of us this morning, myself included, where we don't want to live where anything costs us, especially not our faith. Somebody's already died for us. What more is there to do? We're too worried about what our faith will cost us in our relationships, what it might mean. For our families, what it might mean for us in our jobs, what it might mean for our wallet, what it might mean for what other people are going to think about us. Because truthfully, Christians are kind of weird sometimes, right? That's just the truth. God is not concerned with that. He just wants us. He wants you. He wants me. And he made that possible. Through through Christ. I, I told you guys that that the vision for camp is an easy one. It's simple. We just want to be a place where, where lives are changed and transformed by Christ. That's it. And of course, we should desire for First Cup Salina to be the same thing where people can come in here, where you guys can go to them and God's meet them exactly where they are. The thing is about camp and, 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 and church and Salina and First Cove. Those are great things. But both of those events end. Eventually, we are going to leave here after we eat our delicious chicken noodle soup. Eventually, camp ends. Eventually, that spiritual high, we have to come down that mountain, right? And we've got to engage with the small, the ordinary, the mundane parts of our life. Eventually, our faith becomes something that, that starts the moment that we wake up to the moment that we go to bed and that's huge it's difficult so let's do that ministry together let's, let's, let's teach people together not just at camp, not just here in Salina but let's be partners in ministry that, that take that message to the ends of the earth Because when when we have this kind of faith, this faith that fuels us, that transforms us, that that grows and changes, it obviously impacts one life, it impacts our life. But then in turn, it it impacts and changes the world around us. Amen? So let's let's pray for that this morning, shall we? Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. That you are good. Thank you so much that you are a God. You are someone that we are able to put our faith in. When everything else fades around us. When the things that that have hurt us or betrayed us. The things that we thought would last forever. The things uh, that ultimately have given way underneath us. You never will. Lord, I pray that this morning you send us out. With a faith that fuels us. You, you start lighting that fire right now. You ignite that flame in our hearts that, that will fuel not just a little bit of us, not just when we come to church on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night for youth group or when we go to camp uh, for one week in the summertime. Lord, I pray that you fuel us every part of who we are. May we put our faith into action. May we demonstrate this authentic belief this conscious dependence, may we completely surrender to you, knowing that you are good, knowing that you have us. May we not hold back anything. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to gather, this time to have fellowship. Send us out into the world, to the ends of the earth, for you are good. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. I'd like to uh, go go ahead. (laughs) I'd like to pray for RJ in Covenant Cedars Ministry. Father, we're grateful for the chance to spend some time with RJ today. And we thank you for the way that he brought your word and your truth with uh, clarity and passion and love. Father, we pray for him and Ashley, bless them in their their marriage and their ministry. I pray that they would find great joy in what they do as they serve you. Lord, we pray for Covenant Cedars. We thank you for the way that uh, the ministry there has impacted many, many people uh, and helped them grow uh, deeper in in their faith uh, and, and move more and more into the abundant life that you've called us and created us for. Father, we just thank you again for R.J. Just bless him uh, as he and Ashley travel back to Nebraska. Um, We just look forward to continued fruitful and, and faithful ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.